is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Is America being transformed by today's gospel? Is America being transformed by today's gospel? You know, we have 450,000 churches in America. We have about 650,000 preachers in America. And it's almost like, you know, sometimes I'll hear the expressions like, well, we got all these people getting saved. We got all these people coming down to the altar and they're giving their heart to the Lord. And, and you would think people are just, you know, getting saved right and left. But if your nation is rottening in sin, those two concepts don't jive together. In other words, you've got all these people supposedly accepting Christ as their personal savior, and yet a nation that we live in is rottening in sin. We're about to give up our freedom for socialism which always leads to communism. And freedom is the very thing that Christ died for. So we're about to give that up. So if your nation is rottening in sin, and yet you've got all these people being saved, something isn't fitting, the puzzle is not fitting together. Now, I think what we've done is this. We have assumed that God's only concern is with this superficial thing that we call salvation, and not the character of a nation. That his only concern is, yeah, that people raise their hands and say, yeah, I, get, I, I, I believe in Jesus. That, that that is his only concern. And that he's not so concerned about the character of a nation. Now the question is, how can we as a nation please God again? How can we? Now I don't think we've ever pleased God perfectly, far from it. But we were better, you know, years ago than we are today. I think a lot of us are in a religion whose only concern is about numbers, about, you know, we've, we've got these people on the books here, and they are members, and they are, uh, they are saved, and we're not concerned about the character of a nation. Proverbs 14 and verse 34 says, the righteous, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Now, I want to look at today... What's right with Christianity? Now, in order to discuss this, what's right with Christianity, we have to go back in time. And so we're going to do that right now. We're going to go back in time to April 19, 1775. Connecticut Governor Jonathan Trumbull proclaimed a day of fasting. And he said this, and I quote, he says, God, that God would graciously pour out his Holy Spirit on us, to bring us to a thorough repentance and effectual reformation that our iniquities may not be our ruin. Notice that, that our sins, our iniquity may not be our ruins. And he proclaimed a day of fasting and prayed <clears throat> that God would pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. Wow. All right, March 16th, 1776, Congress approved without dissent a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Notice, Congress did this, yeah. And he said this, that we may with united hearts confess and bewail our manifold sins and transgressions, and by sincere repentance and amendment of life, appease God's righteous 
displeasure. Yeah, I mean, there was this awareness that God was displeased, that God could be displeased at the way a nation was behaving. And they fully realized this back then. They knew how to get God's attention. This is not more religion. This is not more, oh, I love Jesus, praise God. You know, this, that's not what this is about. These people were not playing church back then. They knew how to get God's attention. President Adams declared a day of fasting, March 23, 23rd, 1798, and again, March 6, 1799. He said this, that the citizens call to mind our numerous offenses against the Most High God, confess them before him with the sincerest penance, employ his pardoning mercy through the great mediator and redeemer for our past transgressions, and that through the grace of his Holy Spirit, we may be disposed and enabled to yield a more suitable obedience. Oh, wow. I mean, these people actually believed in obeying God. President Eisenhower, October 24th, 1954. So here we're going up, 1954, the, the, the 50s, okay. He said this about the, the uh, stamp of, you know, in God we trust. He says, often have we heard the words of this wonderful American motto, in God we trust. Uh, Let us make sure that familiarity has not made them meaningless for us. We carry the torch of freedom as a sacred trust for all mankind. We do not believe that God intended the light that he created to be put out by men. Yeah, and that's the torch of freedom, the torch of freedom. And again, I, you know, I think about how close we nearly sold our freedom with the past election and that I, I'm afraid it's going to happen, that we are going to sell the very thing that God is all about, freedom, freedom from sin, freedom of his people, free choice. God will never abridge your personal freedom. He will never take that away. And he will allow us to do, he gives us the freedom to not only sin, but to do stupid things when it comes to leadership. And we're about to do a very stupid thing, and then sell our freedom for socialism, and uh, which always, again, leads to communism. But again, these people were not religious. This was not religious pretense. This was not a bunch of people, a bunch of men and women playing church. What was right with Christianity back then? Well, number one, the awareness of the sacred value of freedom. They understood this, the sacred value of freedom. Two, a desire to serve God with obedience was what was right back then. Three, the awareness that God was displeased, which is something I wonder if we even get that today, that God is greatly displeased with the direction this nation is going. Four, a genuine fear of God is what was right with Christianity back then. Five, the awareness of the need for repentance. Yes, the awareness that man needs to repent. Now, you know, let me tell you something. The churches that dot our land need to be evangelized. And they need to be evangelized with a message called repentance inside the church what I'm talking about, inside the churches that dot our land need to be evangelized desperately today because they're not hearing repentance. Six, the awareness that disobedience can ruin a nation. Yeah, they knew that. We're talking about what was right with Christianity back then. The awareness that disobedience could ruin a nation. 
Seven, the awareness that divine blessings and protection comes from God. You know, I think America was founded by the right people for the right purpose, for the right principles. What was right with Christianity back then? Well, let me give you, and again, we have to go back in time to get this, to some quotes of some famous theologians. Martin Luther said this, he said, The first duty of the gospel preacher is to declare God's law and to show the nature of sin. Notice that. I'm talking about, you know, the churches need to be evangelized inside the church. All right. The first uh, duty of the gospel preacher is to declare God's law and to show the nature of sin. John Wesley said, before I preach love, mercy, and grace, I must preach sin, law, and judgment. He also said, preach 90% law and 10% grace. Today, we hear 99% grace and maybe 1% law in today's religion, today's gospel. Charles Spurgeon said, they will never accept grace until they tremble before a just and holy law. Charles Finney said, Evermore, the law must prepare the way for the gospel. To overlook this in instructing souls is almost certain to result in false hope, the introduction of false standard of Christian experience, and to fill the church with false converts. And that's exactly what we have today. The churches are full of false converts. The church inside needs to be evangelized from the inside. They need to hear the law of God. They need to hear, repent. Another quote, the highest service to which a man may obtain on earth is to preach the law of God. Dwight L. Moody said, God being a perfect God had to give a perfect law. And the law was not given to save man, but to measure them. Yes, the law was given to measure them. Now I want to switch gears. And now I want to look at what's wrong with Christianity today. And for that, we've got to look at a scripture, Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? You know, that little statement, what does God require? We have a religion today where nothing is required from us. Nothing. Other than I, I invite Jesus into my heart. Yeah, that's, that's it. How do you expect a religion like that to change anything about the character of a man. How do you expect that to, hurt, to occur? You know, what is a religion that requires nothing? Well, how do you expect that to change anything about a man? The man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror, it's not gonna change anything. The carnal mind wants to hear, there's nothing you must do. And the carnal mind are the people we're trying to reach. They're the ones that, that we're trying to evangelize. But they have a carnal mind, and they love to hear a no-law theology. They love to hear that. There's nothing you must do. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, continues on. It says, to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways. We're dealing with the subject, what does God require from America? To love him, to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord and his statute, which I command you, this day for your good. You know, until you acknowledge this, who this is talking to, you can't even have a relationship with God. You have to come face to face that, yeah, there is something that God requires from us. And that's something that, that what God requires is it's missing. 
in today's churches. Like I said, the churches of today, they need to be evangelized. Now, what's wrong with Christianity today? What is often heard is a no-law theology. Now, you know, if you've been in church 20 years, you've heard this. You know, that the law has been abolished, been nailed to the cross, been fulfilled, has been done away with, grace plus nothing. In other words, you hear a message that leads one to believe the law is really not that important. And yet the psalmist will say, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation day and night. You know, it, the psalmist David realized that the law was not an instrument to save him. It was an instrument that made his life work. And it also pointed out where all the roadblocks were, where all the stumbling blocks were, the law of God. But often what you hear today is a no-law theology coming from the pulpits that dot our land. And that's what's wrong with Christianity. What's wrong with Christianity today? Fact is, Jesus Christ did not build his church on a foundation of lies. Look, if I told you Jesus went to church on Sunday, if I told you Jesus celebrated Christmas, if I told you Jesus celebrated Easter, if I told you that Jesus promised heavenly retirement, if I told you that the Bible teaches the immortality of the soul, if I told you that Jesus abolished the law and nailed it to his cross, I would be lying to you. Okay, so I'm saying Jesus did not build his church on a foundation of lie. What's wrong with Christianity today? Obedience is not taught in a lot of churches today. It's just not taught. Hebrews 5 and verse 9, and being, speaking of Jesus, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Yet salvation and pleasing God, you know, can you really separate the two? I know obedience is not what justifies us. It's not what makes us right. But God has no intentions of spending eternity with a pack of rebels. God wants you to, why would you not want to obey God? Why would you want your children to be rebels? You don't. You want them to obey their parents, their father and their mothers. God's the same way. So let's talk about pleasing God now. I just went through some of the things that right about Christianity. I went through some of the things that's wrong about Christianity. Now I'm going to talk about pleasing God. I'm going to tell you how to please God. I'm going to tell you how you can please God. And all you got to do is follow. It's not that difficult. All you got to do is just follow the instructions. It's three things here. Number one, repent of your sins. First John 3, 4, sin is the breaking of God's law. Two, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Three, be baptized for the receiving of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. Yeah, for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Be baptized for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and verse 8 says this. Says, so then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, what does it mean to be in the flesh? It means void of the Holy Spirit of God. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you cannot please God. Now, here's the thing that a lot of people overlook. You'll never be able to please yourself, void of the Spirit of God. Now, think about that one. You will chase all the dead-end streets trying to make sense out of life, trying to appease yourself. Nothing wrong with that. But you'll never be, not only can you not please God, void of the Holy Spirit, you can't even please yourself. In order to make your life work, this is what you got to have, the Spirit of God. Void of the Spirit of God, you'll chase those dead-end streets 
until the day you die. And life will never make a lot of sense. Okay, rivers of living water is what Jesus promised. John 7 and verse 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried saying, notice that, the last great day of the feast, speaking about the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, or that last day of the feast, excuse me, called the last great day. These are holy days, Jesus keeping, that Jesus was keeping, okay? New Testament church was keeping these days also. Apostle Paul kept these days. The disciples kept these days. New Testament church kept these days. But we don't keep them today. Why is that? Why is your church not keeping these holy days? All right, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they had that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given them, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So here's the promise of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and once you receive it, it's going to be like a river washing through your life of living water. You're going to live life for the first time like you're supposed to. God wants your life to be full. He wants your life to be, to work. Imagine that. He wants your life to work. Rivers of living water. <clears throat> Rivers of living waters. Acts 2 and verse 37. She says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a great promise that if you do this, if you repent of your sins, you go down in the waters of baptism and you receive, you have hands laid on you for the receiving of the Spirit of God. The gift of God's Spirit is a promise. Now, I know God ultimately makes that decision. When you're standing there as a potential child of God, you know, if you're, God knows the heart. If you're just playing church, he's not going to grant you his Holy Spirit. But God makes that ultimate decision to give his Spirit or not. God's in charge is what I'm saying, but it is a gift. It is a free gift of the Holy Spirit that is promised to us. This is where relationship starts. It doesn't start with more religion. Recently, I got a letter from a guy. He said, I need prayers. I'm a Christian, but I live like the rest of the world, full of sin. You know, my heart went out to that person because I knew what he was lacking. The only excuse for that kind of behavior is a person who thinks he is a Christian, but is void of the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, he doesn't have the Holy Spirit that combats this sinful nature. I mean, when a person who believes he is a Christian tells me he's living like the rest of the world, full of sin, that tells me something is lacking in his life. There's a void there. And chances are the void is he was not educated about how to receive the Spirit of God. I want to offer you something, a free offer here. Baptism counseling. It's a, it's a two audio CD, um, two audio CDs, has about 13, 14 tracks on it. 
baptism counseling, what you should have known before being baptized. There's a lot of knowledge there. Salvation today is looked at such a superficial thing that you just sort of, yeah, I invite Jesus into my heart. And a lot of people go through this motion and they don't understand what they need to understand, what this, what baptism represents. It represents a watery grave. It represents the burial of the old man and receiving the Spirit of God in order to walk in a new way of life. What you should have known before being baptized. Order this, I'll send this to you free of charge. Let me just read you some of the subtitles here. What is baptism? What is sin? Should I be baptized? Critical question. Should I be rebaptized? You know, a lot of times people have been baptized into a church or a faith or whatever, a denomination. But the question is, should I, now that I have come to a conviction of sin, should I be rebaptized? This will answer that question. Why is God calling me? You need to know that. Why does God expect obedience? Uh, what message must I hear? You know, how shall they preach unless they be sent? It is important to hear the message that you need to hear. Not every message that you hear is going to lead you to the point of receiving the Spirit of God. Often you can hear what I call a, a counterfeit message that's not going to lead you. Well, I tell you, it leads to the, the condition that this guy I just illustrated is in. I'm a Christian, but I live like the rest of the world, full of sin. Something that isn't right about this person. And what isn't, I'm telling you what's not right about the person. He hasn't received the Spirit of God. Okay. Uh, what message must I, must I hear? Window of opportunity. Will I sin again? I answered that question. Smoke screen. A lot of the smoke screens that people use to, uh, you know, you, you'll hear that if you're thinking about truly being baptized. Uh, what, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Uh, next one, the laying on of hands. The last one, a personal relationship with God. You know, a personal relationship with God. You're not baptized into a church, believe it or not. You're not baptized into a denomination. You're baptized into the body of Christ. The body of, and it is a personal, intimate relationship with God that grows by the fact that you've received His Spirit, His spiritual DNA that starts to, you know, God's Spirit unites with your spirit and a new creature in Christ starts to develop. This is what the calling is all about. This is what receiving the Spirit of God is all about. The outward man perishes. Yes, we're getting old. We're getting ugly. We're dying. But the inward man, if you have the Spirit of God, the inward man is renewed day by day. A new creature is being developed on the inside of you. And it only can occur by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Order this. I'll send this to you free of charge. I'm not going to beg you for money. I'm not going to sell your name to a mailing list. And uh, you know, you order this and basically that's what you get. Probably be the last time you hear from me unless you want to correspond or something like that. But uh, order this. It's free of charge. It's critical information. What you should have known before being baptized. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Is it possible to change the man or the woman in the mirror? And if so, how? 
Are we simply victims of our past behaviors with no way out of our sins and addictions? Jesus told a woman to go and sin no more. This is real change. No longer a slave to sin. But how is this possible? You were created incomplete, lacking the necessary drive and desire that would cause you to do the right thing. The bottom line is this. You need a second spirit. Man's real problems are spiritual in nature, and the natural man simply cannot solve spiritual problems. How can we know what is right, and how can we have the desire and power to choose what is right? Real change is possible, and the ability to please God is possible, but it is only possible by receiving God's spiritual DNA. Order your free booklet entitled, How You Can Change and Please God. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at is that really in the Bible.net? If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.